Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Tom Yoder. And I'm Sarah Severson. We're the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Jory McCann in February at the Durango Arts Center and Sunflower Theater when the theme was love. Jory is a former Northeastern Outward Bound instructor who believes in the power of vulnerability, vision, and humor. When she's not working to get her new business off the ground or working for social justice, she can be found playing with crystals or clay, hanging by the fire, or messing about outside pretending it's 1997 and pocket computers do not yet exist. Here is Jory's story. When I was five years old, I was in love with Michael Jackson. I knew this because I walked into the rural New Hampshire Burger King, where there was a birthday party for my friend Callie, and I got a poster with Michael Jackson on it. It was a powder blue poster, and he was standing there all of 19 years old, unaugmented face, beautiful, jerry curls glistening, And I kissed that poster every night and (laughs) hoped that my boyfriend could be that cool. (laughs) Things got a little more confusing a few years later when I was 13 and I was watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I had these very strange feelings of attraction for Jessica Rabbit, who you might remember was a cartoon. She was wearing a very long evening gown, voluptuous curves in her cleavage showing and her thigh out to here. And I was like, I am definitely not supposed to feel this way about a girl. Uh, But I did. That was the reality of the situation. And I was very relieved a few weeks later when I overheard in the hallways of my school some other people talking about bisexuality and a girl that liked a girl and another guy. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I am. Maybe I'll be okay. There was a little bit more room for me in the world at that point. It was a little bit later that my mother, was, I was 17, when my mother came into the cafeteria at my high school, sobbing, crying, and she said, your father is leaving. And I said, why are you crying? And where is he going? Took a second for me to figure that one out. Um, Turned out he was going to Chicago with Sharon, who was 20 years younger than he was. And he had had been having an affair for about six months. And the entire world was ripped out from under me. The foundation of what I felt like I had built my life upon was gone. And I, I have this awareness now, at the age of 40, that it's incredible that at the age of 17 I was so attached to the idea of my parents being married and their monogamy working out. Um, but when I left college, even more years later, it was obvious that I was still a little shaken by something. I won't blame my father entirely for that. But, you know, friends were going to Columbia to study midwifery and to Tufts University to study veterinary school. And I was like, I don't know where the fuck I'm going. I'm going snowboarding. So I went powder hounding (laughs) 
and I traipsed around New England trying to figure out where I should be. And I ended up eventually in a very small, rundown ski area called Bolton Valley, which is the type of dilapidated 1960s era rundown lodge where you walk up through the hallways one of those dark nights when you might have had a few drinks too much, and you can imagine those girls from The Shining like standing there like, red rum, and you're like, go back to the bar. I started, after a few years of ski patrolling at Bolton Valley, I started working for the off-road driving school there. And uh, while that sounds really great on my, like, cool person resume, it was a little bit rough uh, being surrounded by many men who were kind of, you know, hot-headed, motorhead type of dudes who didn't really want to admit that they might have a sensitive side but were a little bit sexist and liked to, like, tell jokes around the one girl who maybe had it in her sometimes to say, like, uh, that's sexist, or, you know, just, like, walked into the bathroom instead of holding, like, feminist ground around nine other men. Um, that was challenging. But the, the best part of my days was making this man, Matthew, smile. He was gorgeous, tall glass of water, brown tousle of hair, and Colorado sky blue eyes, and he was kind of mysterious, like he would walk around with his earbuds in before that was the thing that everybody did. And he would, you could tell he was like listening to something good and <laughs> I just thought he was the cat's ass. And I, it became my total goal to make him grin because he had this gigantic smile, but he did not show it to everyone. And the last time I did that, I remember doing that, I was driving in a Land Rover and I was on a trail that he built. He was the trail builder for the off-road driving school. And I rolled up next to him, and I rolled down the window, and I said, do you happen to have any gray poupon? <laughs> and he, like, that grin just came out. He didn't want it to, you could tell, but it just came out. And I, like, drove away feeling such a rock star. It was, like, wet, and I was, like, smashing through puddles, like, <laughs> like I'd just taken a shot of tequila. And... It was a few days later that I was working at the wine bar um, down in Waterbury, Vermont, when my friend Nina took me aside and said, um, I need to talk to you. There's been an accident. Uh, I knew immediately who it was, and I drove up to Bolton Valley to watch the aftermath of the ambulance crew cleaning up Matt's body after the excavator that he was driving, perhaps a little too cavalierly, flipped and because he didn't like wearing seatbelts, because he was in and out of earth-moving machines often, um, he probably got chucked pretty quickly out of it and run over. My friend Brian, who was one of the first responders on the scene, said it was like doing CPR on a bag full of jellyfish. Being a ski patroller with a morbid sense of curiosity, I had to ask. I woke up many nights that summer with insomnia so bad I didn't really know who I was anymore. I had this cavernous feeling in my chest and this cold feet on a Vermont warm like summer's evening and all I could do was take baths and talk to Matt's ghost. So I decided on one of those nights talking to Maddie in the bath that it was time to leave Vermont. If I hadn't found the true love of my life or the purpose that I was here on earth to figure out, by then it was time to leave 
So I got on my bicycle and I pedaled uh, south. I thought I was going to be meeting someone, but they quickly dropped off the map. And it was North Carolina on the Blue Ridge Parkway, about 43 degrees out and raining, when I realized it was not fun anymore and I was going somewhere else. So I took a left turn and I headed for Durham, North Carolina. And I can't really tell you all the great details about that fine city, but um, one of the things that happened there was that I learned this word, which was the second word of my sexual existence opening, which was polyamory. And the word polyamory is new to some people. It breaks down fairly easily. Poly meaning many and amor meaning loves. And I felt like maybe the world was big enough to hold me if I didn't have to be monogamous, which I had felt not good at since the age of 17 when I'd found out my dad had had an affair. So a few years later, I got a phone call from my friend Ben, and he said, there's this workshop out in Durango that you really should come and do. And I was like, dude, I do not need to go to Durango for a workshop. That is really far away, and I have all these other reasons why I don't need your stupid workshop. But the thing was that every time I was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? My heart said the word that is the title of the workshop, and that is Tioshbe. And the word Tioshbe means in Lakota, making, the making of relatives. And I think that if someone had dug a little deeper, I probably could have identified that making relatives or finding my chosen family was really the biggest thing that I wanted in my life. So I got out here, and many things occurred. I fell in love with someone who was also in the workshop, and um, then I fell in love with a different person who was from the workshop, and there were a lot of catastrophes and confused feelings and crying and then making up, and um, eventually, here I stand, 10 months into a successful polyamorous relationship in rural southwest Colorado. <laughs> Who knew that could happen? Um, and I guess what I want to say about polyamory is that I'm not sure it's for anyone. I'm not sure it's even for me in the long run, but what I love about it is that it forces me to, instead of getting codependent like I always used to and turning the color of my date's shirt, I instead have to kind of check in with who I am and what I need and what I desire and why I love what I love. During the leadership program in Tioche Bay, uh, during one of the weekends, I was asked what my purpose on earth was. And I answered, my purpose is to create authentic, connected, abundant community. Thank you for helping me with that this evening. Thank you, Jory, for telling that story. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. A list of our live storytelling events in 2019 is also on our website on the events page. 
Subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and share these stories with your friends. If a particular story makes you laugh, cry, or look at your world with a little bit more clarity, please leave a comment and let us know. Big thanks to our photographer, McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots. Check out the portraits of our storytellers on the gallery page of the Raven Narratives website, and be sure to visit her website at redscarfshots.com. And thanks to our fiscal nonprofit sponsor, Mancus Valley Resources. Find out more about the wonderful projects they support in the Mancus Valley of Colorado at mancusvalleyresources.com. The website for buying Raven Narratives tickets, ravennarrativestickets.org, was created by Cortez Web Services. Check out how they can help your business online at cortezweb.com. And our theme music was written and composed by Mo Cooley and performed by Mo and the Motones. Find out more about their music on the Motones Facebook page. That's M-O-E Tones on Facebook. Now for an outtake. Crescending. That's a word, isn't it? Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> I'm pretending to be a host of a podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> In my night job, I pretend. Now, see, kind of even worse now. Come it's here. like it's more pretty. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, uh.